Hey, Bridgeway, we definitely need God's love today. Today, I'm gonna talk to you about this widow and her two sons. You know, she loved her sons. She loved her husband, but unfortunately she lost her husband. And now she goes to the prophet Elisha to see if she can save her sons from being sold in to slavery. I'm gonna come to you today from 2 Kings chapter four, verses one through seven. If you have a copy of God's word, please make sure you pull it out or put it up on your phone. We are ending a three-week series called House Calls. And we've been learning that when the prophet of God goes to a house, he goes to help, he goes to bring hope and never to bring harm. We've talked about hopelessness in the house, but now today we're gonna talk about helplessness in the house or help in the house. Before we do, let's bow for just a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity you give us today to interact with your word, and we pray that that word would not only bring hope and healing, but it would bring help. And I pray that today, whoever is under the sound of my voice would receive help from on high. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Why don't we start with reading the word of God from 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Now, Elisha is not the same as Elijah. The last two messages, we spoke about Elijah. Now, Elijah has gone to be with the Lord and his protege, his, his mentee is the prophet Elisha. Oftentimes what God does is he not only raises up a leader, but he has those that have been mentored by that leader. So once they have done what they've been called to do, the Moses would then have uh, an Aaron or, or a Joshua. God always has another man or another woman to carry on the work that he has started. And so now you have Elisha and he's leading the company of prophets. And evidently one of the prophets he had in his group, one of the preachers he had in his group has now died. His wife is the widow and it says that the wife of this man comes to the company of the prophets and she cries out to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. In other words, she was in debt. The husband who would pay the bills is now gone. And so the only way that she's going to be able to get rid of this debt is to allow her two boys to go into indentured servitude. We've seen this before in the scripture. Jacob tried to get his wife, Rachel, by serving seven years as an indentured servant, didn't get her at first, and so she had, he had to work another seven years to get the woman he really loved, which was Rachel. So this was a normal practice, and now this widow who has no covering and has no money, not only has she lost her husband, but now she's gonna lose her two sons. So she goes to the prophet and asks for help. You get to verse two, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She replies, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha says, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it uh, put it to one side. Verse five, she left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, 
bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Last verse, verse seven. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I want you to notice that this woman who has lost her husband is now going to the prophet for help because she wants to save her two sons. I talked to you last week about a mother and her sons. You know, there are moms all over the world who are crying out for their sons. There are grandmas all over the world who are crying out for their grandsons. You're crying out for your sons and for your daughters because you want the blessing of God to be on you. In fact, some of you are praying for the children you haven't even had yet because you believe that God can carry blessing from one generation to the next generation. And here we are finding this woman going to the prophet, trying to get help. And we're going to learn from this story three observations that I think can help you in your home. Three observations that will help you understand that when you go to God, he can provide for you everything that you need. We're going to learn first that the widow asked. Second, that she acted. And third, that she experienced added blessing as a result of what happened in this story. But let's look at the first observation. The widow asked. She asked for help. In verse one, she goes to the right person and she asked for help, the man of God, Elisha. Here's a practical application right at the beginning of the message, and that is this. Seek God's word and seek God's wisdom. Seek God's word and God's wisdom. The question is, when you need help, who do you turn to first? You know, Psalm 121 says, I will look to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. When you need help, who do you turn to first? Well, this widow knew who to turn to. She turned to God. Because you see, the prophet of God was the word of God in that day. There was no printing press. There was no written word. There was no copy of the scriptures. There was no phone to pull your scriptures up on. When the word of God came, it came verbally through the man of God, through the woman of God. So that is a question I'm posing to you today. Who do you turn to first when you need help? Some people turn to the lawyer, their doctor, their medicine cabinet. They turn to their addictions, their habits. They turn every other place but to the Lord. They turn to the kitchen, to the gym, even to the job. But what God wants to teach you today and teach me today, before you turn to your friends, before you turn to your habits, first turn to God when you need help. And this widow did just that. She went to the Lord for the word. She went to the Lord for wisdom. She was trying to save her sons. And so the first place she turned was to the Lord. What I'm saying to you today is the first place you ought to turn is to God. Turn to the one who can help you and give you wisdom. As she was crying out for her sons, as she was crying out for their lives, the first thing she did was ask for help. What about you? Are you asking God for help for your family, for your children, for your nieces and nephews, for your parents? When God makes a house call, he always comes not to harm, but to bring hope and to help. And I'm here to tell you that help is on the way. Remember Psalm 121, your help comes from the Lord. But the question is, 
where do you turn first? And she turns to Elisha and then Elijah returns the conversation by asking her a question. What do you want me to do for you? I love this because it reminds me of Jesus in the New Testament in Mark chapter 10, when the blind man and him had a conversation, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? The man responded, I want to see. And in chapter 10, verses 51 and 52, the Lord then says back to the blind man, go, your faith has healed you. Why would Jesus ask the question when he already knew the answer? And why would this prophet ask this widow, well, well, what do you want me to do here? You've already explained that you have two sons that are about to go into indentured servitude. How can I help you? You know, one of the best things we can do as ministers, one of the best thing we can do as followers of Jesus Christ is to ask people how we can help them instead of assuming what they need. This happens all the time in ministry. We know that Jesus is the answer, and so we're going to tell you Jesus is the answer to people who are not even asking the question. Get in a relationship with someone to the degree that they ask you the question, uh, tell me about the faith you have. You got to ask a question, how can I help you? How can I serve you? And here Elisha didn't want to assume, and so he said, just like Jesus, how can I help you? What is it that you want? I think this is important because the first thing that we are doing as believers is when we need help, first the widow asked for help from the prophet, but she also went to the only one that she knew that could truly help her. And the same is true for you. Where do you turn first? And then will you ask? You see, it is an assumption that people when they need help will ask, but the reality is a lot of people don't ask. Why don't you ask? Jesus not only asked the man, what do you want from me? But also in James, it says in chapter four, you have not because you ask not. You do not have because you do not ask. Jesus says in Matthew seven that ask and it will be given to you. Why don't people ask? Well, probably because some people realize that it takes humility to ask. So they don't. It takes faith to ask, so they don't. Sometimes we don't believe that anyone's there to help us. But even when you do ask, sometimes you're not quite sure what you're going to get back. And so some people don't ask because they're fearful of the no that they're going to get. Have you ever done that? Have you ever not asked someone because you already assumed they were going to say no? Well, listen, don't take people's no's from them. Uh, don't answer for other people. Let people own their nose. It takes faith to ask and then wait for an answer. Even if the answer is no, you can handle it. But don't say no to other people because you are going to short circuit the process of what God might want to do. And what you're doing is you're shutting the door on faith. You don't want to be vulnerable. And so therefore, you're not going to ask because if you ask, you have to wait and the answer could be no. And so that vulnerability is uncomfortable for you. And so what do you do? You short circuit the process and you never get the blessing that you could get because you were too proud to ask or because you took the no uh, from someone else. You assumed their no. And as a result of that, it was a no. And that's why the scripture says you do not have. Because you do not ask. 
So just a word of wisdom. Let other people say no for themselves. Don't say no for other people. Let them say no. Otherwise, it's always 100% no. But in our observation, we see not only did the widow ask, but secondly, the widow acted on God's word and God's wisdom because he tells her what to do. He, he tells her, okay, take that jar, go and, and go to all the neighbors and ask them for as many jars as you can get, then go into the house, close the door, you and your sons begin to fill the jar with oil. Which brings me to a second practical application, and that is this, heed God's word. Not only seek God's word and wisdom, but heed God's word and wisdom. Just because you seek wisdom doesn't mean you have it. You have to act on it. Jesus once said in Matthew uh, chapter 7 that anyone who hears my words and puts them into practice, when the storms come and the floods rise, even though the windows may fall out, the foundation of the, of the building will be there because you built your house on a rock. But if you build your house on sand, the only way we're going to see that revealed is when the word comes, but you don't act on it. And then when the storms come, the house comes down with the great crash. It's not just about knowing God's word. It's about heeding God's word, not just about hearing it, but heeding it. And we see that the widow did exactly what the prophet said to do. And so she went and she knocked on all the doors of her neighbors. They got all the jars that they could, went into the house and closed the door and began. But why is it that some people do not heed God's word? Why is it that some people, even when they ask for advice, they don't follow it? They ask for wisdom that doesn't make them wise. They have to actually follow it. They have to actually obey it. They have to actually act upon it. The word of God is not activated until you act on it. The word of God is not activated until you act on it. Otherwise, it's just the word of God. But the word of God doesn't work until you work it. The word of God is not going to work until you express faith and act on it. And so what this widow did is she was so desperate that she wanted to save her sons that she was willing to do something that seemed logically ridiculous to her. I have nothing in the house. We can't have a garage sale. I don't have a sofa. I don't have a dresser. I don't have a table. I don't have food. I can't pay my debts. All I have is a small jar of oil. And so this, this, this prophet tells her what to do. And while it may seem illogical, she did it by faith. And when you act on the word of God, it activates heaven to begin working on your behalf. And sure enough, she was able to see a miracle in her life because she acted on God's word. Do not let your logic limit you from the imagination of what God can do in your situation. Do not allow the logic in your life to limit your imagination from what God can do in your situation. God can do more than your logic will allow you to see. And that's what faith is. 
Faith is believing and seeing that which you cannot uh, put your hands around. It's, it's believing God's word, even though you can't see it activated in the moment. But when you act on God's word, it activates heaven to begin moving in your situation. And like the game of dominoes, the dominoes are already set up. You just need the first domino to be touched. And when you act in faith, it touches the first domino and then the rest begin to go into motion. Somebody needs to know today that what God is doing is he is putting into motion a divine setup. When you act on God's word, it begins to put into motion something that God is doing that you don't see yet. This is why we have to look at these observations where the widow first asked and then she acted. You know, last week we talked about doing first things first, if you will. First, you must give your son to God before God can heal your son. First, you must go and ask God for help and then go do what God has asked you to do before you begin to see the blessings. And this widow is going to see blessings and miracles that she's never seen before as a result. You better get ready because I believe that God has matters in motion for you as well. If you've acted on God's word, trust me, God is acting on your behalf. It's already been activated. God is moving in your situation. You may not see it right now because your logical eyes won't allow you to, but because you moved in faith, God is already moving on your behalf. There are matters in motion in your life right now. God is saying to somebody today, I've seen your acts of faith. I've seen your acts of obedience. I've seen your acts of self-sacrifice. I've also seen your tears and I've seen your fears. And I want you to know that the process has begun. There are matters in motion. Maybe you should repeat after me. There are matters in motion. That means that God is already acting and moving in your life. You just don't see what he's putting together right now. But you need to know with regard to your healing, the matter is in motion. With regard to your vision, the matter is in motion. With regard to your provision, the matter is in motion. With regard to your family reunification, the matter is in motion. With regard to your business, the matter is in motion. With regard to your ministry, the matter is in motion. With regard to your book, the matter is in motion. With regard to your health, the matter is in motion. You see, you can't always see how God is moving, but you can be assured that God is always moving. When you live out in faith, because without faith, it's impossible, impossible to please God. When you move out in faith, God is activating all of heaven to move on your behalf. But there's a third thing that this widow experienced as an observation that I want you to see. The widow asked, the widow acted, and thirdly, the widow experienced added blessings. She experienced added blessings. In verse seven, I want you to see what it says. In verse seven, it says, she went and told the man of God, Elisha, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Isn't that amazing? 
all she had before was a little oil. And now because she did exactly what she was told to do, the oil kept flowing in all the jars. And when she got to the last jar, the oil had stopped. And he says, now you can use all that, sell it, pay all your debts, and you can live on the rest. <laughs> she had what we call added blessings. And the practical application is this, feed off the added blessings. Feed off of the work that God has done on your behalf without guilt. You see, when you do what God has said to do and when you feel the abundance of God blessing your life, don't feel guilty about being blessed. Don't feel guilty about the favor that God has brought upon your life. You're just feeding off the work. You're feeding off the work that God has done. You're feeding off the added blessings. God had already promised you that if you would give to him first, he would bless you. God had already promised you that if you will act by faith, he will activate all of heaven to move on your behalf. And so when God takes that small jar of oil and he multiplies it to the degree that you have so much that you can sell it and live off of it with your family, thus saving your two boys from indentured servitude, all you gotta do is feed off of the work. All you gotta do is give God the praise and the glory and enjoy the abundance and the blessings that God has given you and take the overflow and bless other people with it. You see, God was doing something more than saving her sons. God was helping her to become a businesswoman. You see, all she was thinking about was the minimum, save my sons. But what God was thinking about was a divine setup to bring in some ingenuity and innovation that would take her to another level. Not only am I going to save your sons, you're going to go into business with your sons. You see, I'm going to take you from what was a problem into what is prosperity for you and your family. I'm going to give you more than what you were asking for. I can do more than you could ever ask or imagine. Don't allow the limit of your logic to stop you from seeing that I can do more than what you can envision. And that's exactly what God does here. He not only saves her sons, he turns her into a businesswoman. She took those jars and she went into the house and she shut the door. And do you know that what you do behind closed doors can affect your legacy? And so behind closed doors, she's doing what the man of God has said. And as a result, she now has a legacy with her children, a business with her children that will change their life and the trajectory of their future. You might be looking for a minimum in your prayers where God's trying to do maximum blessing in your life, which means that you have to trust him because when he gives you wisdom for a business idea, that business idea came out of the problem that she had. For some of you in the COVID season, your business idea will come out of the problem of this season. You see, somebody said that necessity is the mother of invention. And sometimes you'll go through a difficult situation, but then God will give you the wisdom of an idea. And that idea is what's going to launch you into the next season that you would have never come up with. There are entrepreneurs that are becoming successful in God's kingdom because of what we've gone through. I'm not saying that it's been good for everyone, but what I am saying is that whatever you are going through, God can elevate you to a place of abundance and added blessings if you will first turn to him for wisdom. Seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And when he directs your path, he'll direct it in a way that will bring added blessings. Doesn't mean you won't have problems. Doesn't mean you won't have storms. But Jesus says when the storms come and the floods rise, while the windows might be knocked out, the foundation is built on a rock and you will still be okay. Someone is going to gain out of this COVID season what was supposed to kill you, what was supposed to stop you, what was supposed to discourage you, what was supposed to depress you. But the enemy forgot to read that passage that says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. He may have forgot to read Romans 8:37, which says, no, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Maybe he forgot to read Genesis 50, verse 20, which says, you intended to harm me, but what you intended for evil, God turned around and used it for good. Maybe God's given you wisdom. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's an idea. All she wanted was to save her sons. And God gave her more. God gave her a blessing, listen, not just for her, but for the next generation. I'm praying that the favor of God would move not only through you, but going beyond you to the next generation and the next generation. What have we said today? We have said, there are three observations. She asked, she acted, and she experienced added blessings. We said to seek God in his word, heed God in his word, and then feed off of, off of the work that has been done, off of the blessings without guilt. But these blessings that come to the third and fourth generation, like it says in the Ten Commandments, that these blessings can go to the third and the fourth generation, I believe that those blessings can come to you, not only to you, but into the next generation. In fact, some of you are receiving blessings because of the last generation. It's because of your mom, your dad. It's because of your grandparents or even the parents before that. You are in a lineage of generational blessing. But the reality is some of you are in a lineage of generational curses. And what God needs to do is break those curses beginning right now. You know, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the scripture says, cursed is he on the tree. All the curses go to him. And when you go into a relationship with him, no more curses are on you, only blessings. And he exchanges all the curses that come with sin, and he gives you all the blessings that come with salvation. But you've got to invite him into your life. When you pray and say, Jesus Christ, take all of my sins. Thank you that you died on the cross for me, nailing those sins on the cross. I am praying now, Lord, that you would save me and come into my life. If you have that kind of prayer, that kind of faith, and you ask Christ to come into your life, he will then bring into your life his very self. He will give you life in your death, and all your sins will be washed away. All your sins will be gone and you can feed on the work of Christ that happened on the cross and have the added blessings of a relationship with him. 
It doesn't mean you're not going to have problems, but it means that you're going to have him with you as you go through those problems. And what I want you to hear is that the curses that you may have had in your family don't have to be transferred onto you. Only the blessings of heaven can be transferred onto you when you give your life to Christ. Just because your father was a certain way doesn't mean you have to be. Just because your mother was a certain way doesn't mean you have to be. You can break the curses that are in your family. You can break the habits that are in your family. You can break the addictions that are in your family. How? By going to the one who knows how to break the bondage in your life, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of the gospel can break any chain in your life. And if you want the generational blessings that we're talking about, it begins with the relationship you have with God. And what this woman wanted was for her kids not to be in slavery. And what God wants for you is for you no longer to be in slavery to the enemy or your flesh or anything that would tear you away from the purposes of God. And God says that I will do everything possible on the cross to free you and to break the chains in your life and that those blessings will come into your life to the third and the fourth generation. But then when you come into a relationship with God, you have to say in your house, as for me in my house, I will serve the Lord. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. And you say, but pastor, my parents haven't declared that. Guess what, teenager? You can declare it. Even if the man of the house and the woman of the house have not declared your house as a place that serves the Lord, you can say, as for me in my room, I will serve the Lord. As for me in my phone, I will serve the Lord. As for me in my body, I will serve the Lord. As for me in my car, I will serve the Lord. As for me in my paycheck, I will serve the Lord. You see, you don't have to wait on your mom's amens and your dad's hallelujahs. You're old enough to hear this word. And if you hear this word, then you can invite Christ into your life right now. And you can make a declaration that the blessings begin now. This series house calls has been great because I've been coming right into your house. And it's been good to bring God's word to you from Elijah and Elisha from the widow whose son was ill, from the widow whose sons were about to be enslaved, and even from a woman who thought that she was gonna die because she didn't have enough food and drink. But like we said before, God can do a lot with a little, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. My prayer is that this series has strengthened your faith in the name of Jesus, amen and amen.